Hey everyone, welcome to Wise Up. Today's episode is about grief, which I know may be really hard, but I can tell you with this week's guest, Katie Huey, who believes in seeking beautiful things right alongside acknowledging and honoring the hurt and pain in our broken world, you're going to learn something. And we actually dig into what employers can do to handle grief in the workplace. And there's no better time than right now for employers to get savvy about how to help people who are going through something. You know, Confucius believed that the pain of grief was a natural and necessary part of human life. And this conversation is really all about that. Enjoy. C-Suite Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Christina DiGiacomo, and this is Wise Up with Christina. I'm so pleased to have our guest today, Katie Huey, who is just this really lovely person that I met recently, and she's got some incredible ideas and thoughts uh, that I really would love for you to hear, and I just want to welcome her. Hi, Katie. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me today. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I would rank it at eight and a half. An eight and a half. Wow. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, pretty and good I, for current times. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you just ranked, did that. That's so, that's so nice. Maybe I should start every day and be like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing? Right? <laughs> Where are we at? That number can change as we go, but Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. And, and the reason why you're here is I really love what you're talking about um, and you're juxtaposing these ideas between seeking beauty in life, but also acknowledging the hurt and the pain that we may be experiencing in the world. And it's so relevant and timely to what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, you know, the way that you're framing things is really important and you have a wonderful message to share. So I just want to open it up to you. Um, I know you've had a whole journey to get to this idea of, you know, seeking beauty in life and also acknowledging uh, that things can be painful. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so I'm a writer. Um, I wear lots of hats, but that's the one I'll put on for this conversation. Um, and I started a blog back in 2013 after um, spending a few years as a professional, a young professional trying to get my feet grounded in the world. Um, and I started looking for positive things to keep me grounded. Um, that year I had gotten engaged and my fiance lost his job and we lost my grandfather. And I turned to capturing my lists of things that were still good um, into blog posts. And I started just this little space on the internet, um, mostly free form, jotting down notes, um, making observations about things that I appreciated. And they were very, very ordinary. 
Um, and as time passed and I got more established um, in my career and what I wanted to do, I continued searching for the good that was unfolding in front of us. Um, I have a degree in sociology and when I came out of college, I wanted to be a social worker. Um, and I quickly realized I didn't have the emotional fortitude to do casework. So that led me in a variety of um, different professional worlds. But throughout all of that, I kept coming back to this little space on the internet of what, what are the good things around me and how can I encourage others in that search? Um, fast forward a couple of years, it was 2016 and I lost my father unexpectedly. Um, and anytime you go through loss, I think people will tell you it completely changes your world. Um, that year too, I lost my job and my husband lost his job. And so this practice of searching for good seemed to be really foundational for me, um, as the other things that had provided stability in our lives seemed to disappear. And in my process with grief, um, it's been four years now, um, I've continued to share and my blog posts have gotten more vulnerable um, in terms of how do we address the hurting in our own hearts while still recognizing and appreciating the good things. Um, and, you know, I think now here where we sit in a global pandemic where loss continues in great magnitudes, um, our culture isn't very equipped to handle grief conversations. Um, and I've chosen to share my grief experience pretty vulnerably on the internet for strangers to read. Um, but my hope is that people can resonate not only with the hard stuff, but also with the appreciation for the good things too. I think our culture trains us to look for the negative. Um, what's going wrong? What could be better? And I want to flip that message in terms of what's going great right now? What are we taking for granted? My lights are on. I have clean running water. I slept in a warm bed last night. I mean, those are pretty basic, but not everyone has those things. So as I continue to grapple with my grief and um, share my perspective, that's the soapbox that I keep stepping up on. And we're all the better for it. Well, thanks. Because I imagine how really difficult it could be to see the light, you know, when you're going through loss and you're in the grips of grief, it could, it can almost feel like a, like kind of like a, I, I don't know why I'm coming up with this imagery, but like this lead jacket yeah, that just is all encompassing and all consuming. And to even stretch your heart out to, or your mind out to something that's good. And, and even to some extent, there may even be some feelings of guilt in trying to do that as well. It just makes it really difficult. And you've developed, you know, not only a, a way to do that and a practice around that. And I encourage everyone to check out you know, your blog, because I think you provide a really valuable advice and a, and a valuable service to people who are going through this, but also the language, your language around grief and your philosophy around grief in, in the sense 
And the way I take it is that it is a process, but that it is part of being a human, a human being, and that it's not something to judge Mm -hmm. and that it's not something to resist either. I think there's messages that we have in our society around grief that, that we're supposed to uh, squash it or resist it or not be okay with it or get through it as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that you can be in these two worlds. You can live with it, but also be, you know, tied to the light and to the goodness and that in actuality to be in both places is a process of healing Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I'm interpreting your work. Do you want to elaborate on on that? Yeah, I think you're hitting a lot of the big themes. Um, I think, too, our culture, it presents grief and joy as either ors, um, that I'm going to be sad today and I will be happy tomorrow. Or, you know, you talked about pushing through it. There's seven stages of grief and you're going to move through to the other side and Um, I want to be really clear too. I don't live in the positivity world of rah, rah, everything's great. Um, I choose to seek positivity and accept the things that are hurting, um, on a huge global scale and, and on an individual scale too. Um, I think it doesn't serve us well to ignore or push through or, um, you know, prevent pain. I think I've learned probably at a young age that I will do better when I give a head nod to the things that are hurting my heart. And our culture doesn't provide a lot of space for that, or they'll say yes and get over it quickly. Um, So, you know, I think that both and world is really important to me. Um, And it just allows us to be more human. Um, You know, I gave an eight and a half and I said that could change, you know, we could be a nine or a 10, but the end of the conversation, but letting ourselves move through emotions is really important to me. So, um, and that doesn't mean ignoring both the good or bad that's in our lives as we move forward. It's so interesting what you're saying. I agree with you hundred percent. I feel like we get set up in these binary mm-hmm. states or that we're, we're told that we have to live in these binary states. Mm-hmm. And who we are, the truth of who we are is essential and core and not really that complicated. It, we are multifaceted human beings. It's a spectrum, right? right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spectrum or maybe another shape. I don't know. I'm not, I don't do geometry. A spiral. It's a spiral, yeah. <laughs> you know, thank you. I, but, but you get what I'm saying in the sense that we live and, and operate in this either or situation. And I think it sets us up to fail really. Uh, and I think that a lot of people also tend to put a lot of pressure and expectations on themselves in the way that they feel because sometimes it's it's not as easy or you know so clear all the time and to be able to just really the the practice is to just be able to sit with it all and be okay with it all 
in whatever way that it takes shape is the way to see it, to observe it. Like you, you know, had just these daily observations mm-hmm. and be super present with it all. And when we're in judgment and resistance to our feelings, sometimes they come back even louder because mm-hmm. they want to be seen and they want to pass through or they want to be acknowledged, these feelings and these emotions. And so, you know, setting ourselves up and like, I'm going to be happy today or I'm going to be sad today. It, it's just, it's, it, we're making it dip, more difficult on ourselves than, than it needs to be. Uh, so, you know, thank you for that, uh, that, that explanation. Absolutely. Yeah. The author Glennon Doyle Melton has a great phrase. Um, she calls it brutal. She adds an R and, you know, combines that idea of brutal. And I think there, especially when you're in the immediate, um, darkness or pain that that's exactly how I feel, you know, this is brutal and it also has a shiny edge to it, um, that I can hold with tenderness. And, Again, our culture doesn't know how to have those conversations um, very well. I think we're moving in that direction, and there's lots of pioneers in that space. Um, like yourself? I hope. Thank you. Thank you. I hope so. Um, but how do we acknowledge that this is brutal and hold some tenderness and good, too? So I'd love to talk about, you know, this – the this idea that society isn't set up for this or that, you know, the messages that we get about grief or loss or pain is not just not conducive to us being able to work through it. And, and I also feel, and, and I, this is what I'd love to discuss with you too, is the world of work. I mean, if we think if we think that society isn't really set up for this, you know, the world of work is definitely not really set up for this. And you've written a couple of articles around loss and pain and grief in, in the working context, and I really would love to dig into that. So, you know, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your point of view with regards to grief and loss in the workplace? Yeah, so I've spoken a little bit from both points of view. One is the person who's grieving, um, and the other is what can employers do to help people who are navigating. Um, I have another good friend, Liesl Mirtis, who says, you know, she calls them disruptive life events. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a death, but it can be a cancer diagnosis. It can be, I have to move my mom into um, assisted living. Like, we all experience these moments that we didn't plan for. And I think a global pandemic is a perfect example. So um, I guess speaking from a personal perspective as someone who is a griever who continues to go to work, um, I think the best thing that you can do is know what brings you comfort and be really clear on giving yourself grace that you need to practice asking for what you need. Um, So when you're in the immediate loss period um, and, you know, everyone reacts to grief differently. Some people really want to go to work and be distracted and have something to do. Some people get 
grief brain and can't focus. Um, some people need to take breaks or can, you know, their workload needs to shrink and your boss won't know what you need. So finding people to help you process through what you need, and that can change day to day, week to week. Um, you have to be your own best advocate, which can be really, really challenging when things feel so uncertain. Um, but again, they can't read your mind. Your coworkers don't know and people feel really unclear. So um, on the other side of that, as an employer, what you, what I didn't like was asking when people would ask me, how can I help? Um, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how you, you can help me. I, I can't even pick out a shirt to get dressed. Like, I don't know how to eat breakfast. I don't, I certainly don't know how you can help. Um, so have some concrete examples um, and give people choices. Like I had people say, I'd like to bring dinner. Would Tuesday or Thursday be better? Um, and being really clear as to what you want to contribute. Or I noticed we just gave you this project. Can we bring in some support for you? Um, what can we take off your plate? You know, those types of things that still allow the grieving person to make choices, but take that mental power away from them. Um, and I just mean decisions are hard. So that's one place I would start. I think another interesting thing that I've been thinking about in our current situation is what is your bereavement policy? Um, and mm. that's a really basic thing to look at as a company or a leader of a company. Um, most companies will give you a couple of days. If you're lucky, you get a week. And while that's helpful, um, paperwork and life insurance policies and planning and funeral arrangements and um, family structure, you know, that doesn't stop after a week. And I think in my experience too, things don't really catch up with you emotionally until a couple of months later. So at least in my case, when it was unexpected, the shock had shockwaves that lasted a lot longer than the terms that our companies give us. So again, flexible workplaces, how are you building trust with your employees so that they can come to you and share where they're really at? Um, there's a phrase that I use too in and I've kind of learned the hard way in terms of oversharing my grief experience at work, but I, I call it the fish food model. You know, you, you think about your, the, yourself and the stories you carry and you want to share with people. And um, you throw a little bit of fish food in the bowl and you see who bites. Mm. And you can learn really quickly who will be safe and helpful to talk to and who can't handle it. Mm. So again, advice to those who are in the midst of loss is really protect your heart. Because while your bosses have good intentions, sometimes that doesn't go as well as you want them to. Thank you for that. It's making me think that there's an opportunity, not even just with bereavement policy, but almost, for lack of a better expression, an onboarding or reboarding process for, for someone who's coming back after a disruptive life event. You know, companies do, you know, are really focusing on onboarding a new employee. You could even translate that model to re-onboarding someone who's had a disruptive life event. So, you know, integrating them back into, you know, their first 30 days and then a check-in at 60 or 90 days and then another check-in 
at at a year and and having certain steps and work processes and workloads that are appropriate for the for certain periods of time uh, and I also feel you know especially now there are a lot of people that are going to be coming back to the workforce you know coming back to work who have lost someone due to covid mm-hmm. and this needs to get some more attention mm-hmm. you know right now there's a narrative around getting everybody back to work but in what shape are people actually going to be in when they come back because it's not even just people who've lost someone but it's also like the whole thing like you were saying has been a disruptive life event and people are going to be coming back who have been, quite frankly, in the shit with their kids and teaching their kids and being at home and maybe, you know, family issues at home. Like everyone has, is going to come back with some form of, you know, being impacted by all of this. So it's also kind of like how are leaders and companies going to just receive people back and there's an opportunity there for leaders and companies and human resources to to put some things in place. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think that's the million dollar question. Um, looking at your company models, you know, ideally you've been having conversations and building trust before this. Um, and if you haven't, now is the time to start putting some structures in place. Um, you know, In my day job, I work at a consulting firm too, and we have um, weekly check-ins and we have monthly check-ins. And we start every meeting with that question, you know, where are you at on a scale of one to 10? And you can go into more personal things if you want to share, or you can just share a number. But it gives your team a baseline for where you're at. And if you start the day at a four, that's really different than if you start the day at an eight. And if you come at one, that's okay. And I think leaders have the opportunity to decide how involved do you want to be when people show up at one. Um, And I think there's a lot of conversations, and I wonder this too, is what is that personal professional boundary? Um, And we've had a lot of conversations with our clients lately in terms of what we used to do no longer applies what is and i hate the phrase new normal right now like it's super triggery to me um but i think there is an element of how we used to operate we're not at that capacity anymore none of us are and so how whether you're doing well and you need to amp up production and turn up the dials to make needs get met or wow we're all fumbling to make this work um, and so I think leaders need to lead with vulnerability as well. Um, but in terms of caring for people, giving them permission to not be okay is so important. And that needs to be explicitly said. Um, I think people are fearful, like 30 million people lost their jobs and those who still have jobs really don't want to lose their jobs. Right. So leading with transparency and leading with vulnerability and giving people space to briefly share where they're at, you know, um, and then outsource. I think it's also really important to know where you're helping capabilities stop, you know, can HR departments partner with mental health providers? Um, 
where does your expertise stop that you need to bring in other support? Because you're not a therapist. That's not your job. Um, and, you know, you're not a child care provider, but maybe your company could be. So I think looking for opportunities in this too, to better care for people as whole people, um, that's what I want to see moving forward. I think the companies that are doing well right now have already got some things in place to look at that. And, and to use your language, acknowledging the hurt and the pain. I, I think it goes a long way when your manager or boss or CEO just says, hey, I can't even imagine what you've just been through. And I'm acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think people just want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, I think, just a very actionable step uh, that any leader can do, whether it's, you know, having a one-on-one or even just, you know, a town hall or a letter and being just being like, I can't even imagine here are some resources, but I want you to know that I see that you've gone through something and maybe like to your point, being vulnerable and maybe even sharing like, you know, something happened to me too. And not in any sort of like condescending kind of way, but just I'm making a personal connection with you um, and, and maybe relaxing the norms a little bit right. and the formality, because that's something that I'm seeing as well uh, in terms of people's conversations of how they're working with their teams and how people are working together. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a relaxing of the formality, which does reduce a little bit of the pressure to be performative or, you know, to be on all the time. Uh, but still, people are really struggling with with yeah. trying to manage all of this. It's not easy, and and there's there are people who are having a very very difficult time. Uh, so, yeah, to your to your point, to acknowledge is I think that one of the biggest first steps. And on that note, too, going back to what employers can do, one of my new pet peeves is when people say there are no words. Um, as a writer. I have a million words, you know, it's like, maybe, maybe you're not sure what to say, but I have a lot in my head that are, is floating around. And so I'm encouraging people, you know, saying, I'm not sure what to say. It's five or six words that actually validates your experience and doesn't put the responsibility on the person who's hurting to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Because when, when people told me, I don't, have any words that felt like it was really um, invalidating my experience. And I also have shared with some employers, like, it's okay to fumble through this. I've lost someone and I still don't know what to say when, when new people come to me in my life. Um, and so acknowledging that this is new territory and, you know, take a shot, like send a card. I'd, I'd rather be the person who over stepped then didn't do anything. And I think people will let you know you can read their body language or they'll tell you like I'm good, I don't need anything. Um but people notice I noticed who didn't show up and I'd rather not like I'd rather take action than fall into the ooh 
Katie didn't show up category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think the world right now needs us to show up. Yeah. More than ever. Especially if you're doing okay, you know, and again, Anne Lamott has a great quote. She's like, stop getting your help all over me. Like it is not your job to rescue. It is not your job to fix. But if you can go and sit next to people, uh, metaphorically right now, um, I think that goes a long way. Well said, well said. So is there anything that you're working on or anything on the horizon or any new thoughts? You know, what are you discovering about yourself and the world? Just any final thoughts? Yeah, well, I do have a call out just to the general public. Um, I've got a a long list of good things that are people are experiencing during the pandemic, and they can submit those to the blog right now. Um, So that's just kind of a fun way. I'm working on turning the blog into a book, and that will hopefully become a reality someday. Um, And you know, at work, I think we're having a lot of conversations and opening up support calls in terms of how are we readying for what's next? Um, So if people are interested in joining that, we're doing Friday calls um, for free. But I think to going back to the basics and just encouraging people to make gratitude lists for the little things. Um, people, People often ask me, like, how do I start looking for good? Um, and I say, go find a place where you feel comfortable and make a list of five things that are around you that bring you comfort. So while that's not necessarily on the horizon, I feel like it's a graspable thing that people can do even in their quarantine experiences. Wonderful. So beautiful. I've, I've got no words. Oh, Oh, there you go. You just had five. You've just rendered me speechless lady. You're so, you're so wonderful. And Mm, and thank you. So heartfelt and articulate. And, you know, I think you're doing worthy work and I know that this is all going to kind of morph into a larger service. Uh, And, you know, it's really important. And so I really wish you well and many successes. Thank you. Thanks for having me and for gathering people who want the world to be a better place. It's It's an honor to be included. Thank you. Yeah. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.